Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. Kevin, uh, Max is here. We got the full compliment. We're uh, we're recording this a, a couple of days early to uh, account for some travel schedules. Uh, so, uh, any anybody have something that they particularly want to talk about this week? Well, I certainly don't want to talk about I'm, my current drive through Oklahoma or New Mexico or Arizona or North Texas because. That sounds miserable, but since I am touching Texas, I might want to touch on you know a, a hot stove topic from from wow. the, the bottom portion of that state. You've been studying my transitions. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so we're finally now uh, several weeks later getting to the uh, the, the scandal that rocked baseball. Uh, as it was put at a panel that I went to last night, um, the Astro sign stealing uh, scheme that mm-hmm. uh, got a whole bunch of people across multiple different teams fired. Yes, at least three managers of. I mean, <laughs> until some trades this this the week that we're recording, um, some pretty. Oh, okay, that's that's a lie. Okay, two high performing teams and one dismal team that sometimes makes you smile at their ineptitude. And where do the Mets fit into that? Oh, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it is the Mets. The ineptitude of, of the Red Sox uh, really hasn't been since they were doing the American tradition of drinking beer and eating fried chicken at work. Wow. Um, what a life. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, what a life indeed. The simpler times, clearly we've moved on to technological advancements in uh, performance enhancement uh, in the form of, of cheating, which often and includes... trash cans. And trash cans, which <laughs> is an enhancement in a way. I do think it's interesting how, like, how this scheme touches both high and low tax. So, like, uh, just to recap in, in 30 seconds on the off chance yes. that... Uh, you are listening to this podcast and you're like most people in America and you don't really give a shit about baseball anymore. Um, like Max. <laughs> that wasn't why. No. Uh, so uh, the Astros, who are uh, among the growing set of professional sports teams whose front offices are staffed with Ivy League-educated McKinsey types uh, who are very arrogant about their ability to think better than everyone and to mm-hmm. uh use their uh look you know look at the big brain on Brett uh to quote pulp mm-hmm. fiction uh to win games and, and win championships and uh they they decided uh they figured out that they could route the center field camera to a video room just off the dugout and actually pipe a live feed of the game that would allow them to pick up on the opposing team's signals from the catcher to the pitcher to determine what pitch it was going to be. 
that's the high tech aspect. The low tech yes. aspect is how do they actually communicate out to the hitters what the pitches are? Well, they banged on a fucking trash can real loud. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there, there are rumors uh, that perhaps Jose Altuve, uh, who it was found by a very intrepid Astros fan who wanted to analyze all the data. We can talk about that more later. Uh, Altuve was actually one of the least trash can banged players. Uh, there's a, a rumor that he had a buzzer like under his shirt uh, based on, on one game where he hit a, a walk-off. Uh, I, I don't even know if it was a home run, but he hit some sort of walk-off hit. It must have been a home run. He hit a walk-off home run, yeah. and as he was yeah. rounding third base to come home, he like you know hugged his arms into his chest to prevent his teammates from ripping off his jersey in celebration you know presumably because that would have exposed the wire uh, but that hasn't really been proved uh there's not a, yeah so a, the, the, the trash really the trash can is proven yes yes the trash can is you could the evidence is obvious and the stats the home away splits are obvious but the buzzer is in the question just to clarify yeah correct and, and so the fallout of that was that uh major league baseball investigated this found like granted players immunity to come clean and talk about what happened and yay for unions leveled all of the punishment at um, management both on the field and uh kind of in the organization of these clubs and i say clubs because uh aj hinch and jeff luno the manager and general manager of the astros were suspended for a year by major league baseball uh the Astros were fined the maximum amount of money allowable under the CBA, which is $5 million. And they lost multiple draft picks, probably four in total, like their first two picks in the next two drafts. That turned into a ripple when Astros owner Jim Crane shit-canned Hinch and Lunau. Former Astros bench coach Alex Cora, who got a job in Boston with the old Red Stockings, uh, and then uh, apparently proceeded to then uh, maybe do some chicanery with them as well, uh, got fired before any punishment could be announced. Uh, but it's thought that he is going to maybe get an even harsher suspension. Uh, and then Carlos Beltran, who was an Astros player at the time and was named as one of the ringleaders of the scheme, lost his job with the Mets before he ever managed a game. Hmm. So, so Max, are, are we caught up now? On uh, how how do you feel about that? Does that does that sound like quite the the caper, quite the tale? It sounds wild. Um, I guess I have a question right off the bat that yes. might be good. <laughs> off the bat um, for uh, uh, the listeners who don't necessarily follow baseball but are still want to be entertained, um, myself included. Um, <laughs> is it against the there? I assume there's like a rule book for baseball. Um. Is it like written in the rules or against the rules that you can't steal signs? Like, are signs part of the game? It it, it feels almost like this was a. <clears throat> I, I'm trying to understand. Is, is, a, is this just like a creative way of taking advantage of the rules, or is this that is so? So that's a that is a very good question, and it, it's an important one. Um, the answer seems to be uh, stealing signs is considered gamesmanship. 
mm-hmm. if you can say figure out what they are. So there is. I don't think there is officially. Uh, you know, I don't think there's officially a rule that you're not allowed to figure out what the opposing team signs are, uh, because if they did that, every team would constantly have all of its players suspended. Uh, in much in the same way that there are certain, uh, let's call them behavioral, uh, behavior modification regulations that you can't implement on, say, Wall Street, because yeah. everyone uh, would be losing their jobs. Yeah. But like a, a runner on second base just using hand signals to communicate to the batter, that's, there's nothing, no gray area with that, right? Um, that's fine. Well, so that's, that's one of those things aspect. where like, I, I think... I don't think there's a I don't know that there's a gray area on like whether that's against an official MLB rule. Um mm-hmm. it, it certainly is something that is likely done all the time. Uh and, and so one of the one of the panel speakers was Tim Kirkjian who's been a baseball reporter since the dinosaurs walked the earth. And he just told story after story about um how uh you know that kind of gamesmanship happens all the time and how like cal ripkin when he was playing shortstop for the orioles would communicate to the second baseman on any given play like who was going to cover the bag and he would put his glove over his mouth to signal like either by opening or keeping his mouth closed but then one of the coaches for the opposing team got so was so eagle-eyed that he could tell like by a bulging neck vein when he was <laughs> opening his mouth so like that that kind of gamesmanship has been going on forever yeah. and i don't think anyone has a particular problem with it it it's the gaining an there's a it's the difference between gaining an advantage and gaining an unfair advantage where the technology yeah. seems to be where this line gets crossed mm-hmm. So I think that, yeah, and to, to Max, your point, I, I kind of, it's not perfect, but it'll lead into my other thought, which is, um, you know, if the speed limit says it's 60 and you're going 65, like, hey, okay, we get it. Maybe you're moving with traffic. You're doing kind of what everybody else does. It's understood. You might still be safe. You're just going a little bit faster. Um, it's when everyone is going 65 and then you're going 85 because your car has a jet engine on the back. Then we've brought in what I'd call an outside implement. I think what went on here and what went above gamesmanship is they brought in these outside implements that because of that, as Kevin mentioned, the home and away splits, this is an outside implement that was unavailable to others. Your glove and your coaches or whatever that are there on the field that is kind of available to others. Um, but when you have that home field advantage and your home field advantage includes that camera and the trash can that maybe you don't have if you're visiting um, and isn't reasonably available to you, that's when we've taken and added this unfair outside element, including we didn't even mention the Apple Watches that the Boston Red Sox apparently used. Um, but I think that's where it gets to be, okay, now we're cheating. It's not gamesmanship. So I think the question would would be then, do we think that it's that it should be allowed and every team should be able to do it? Or is it 
Uh, and I think that's the question that people get into is like, oh, it, it's kind of like with other cheating things, yeah. um, such as, you know, doping or whatever. Yeah, no, I, I think I don't I actually don't think there has been I think this has been a very one sided debate in favor of mm-hmm. no, no one should be doing this. Uh, it gets a little thornier when you ask, OK, so how do we prevent it from happening? Uh, a lot of the suggestions seem to involve uh, having chaperones uh, prevent millionaire athletes from going into the tunnel unattended, uh, which doesn't seem at all like it's going to work. Um, but generally speaking, you know, like, I think for a lot of people, the idea that sports are 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 this sort of pure contest of of who who can you know uh, i don't even know who who gives it their all more who who wants it better uh has been kind of shattered but there there's certainly something distasteful about you know you know you have to like switch up all your signs during the game uh, you know, it's one thing to, you know, it's one thing to study the film after tonight's game to be prepared for tomorrow's game. And if you pick up on signs that way and that your opponent isn't varying them, I mean, to a certain extent, you're shit out of luck. Like, you should have prepared for that. But I, I think that that is, that's a level of unfairness during, like, you know, inning to inning, at bat to at bat that, like, I it, I don't think two unfairs make a fair, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I mean, making this available to everyone would just be really stupid because uh, in my head, and I have no better way to say that, just because now you've got all these video cameras and everyone's looking at cameras during play, that's kind of an absurd circumstance. But also being, you know, these keystone cops with all of this all over the place that's also not fun. I mean, the way that baseball has functioned not to be like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, but it's true. Um, up until this point, it has been understood as gamesmanship, and it was reasonable, and you knew people were looking at signs, just, you know, they'll talk about tipping your pitches and how that does things, and you get caught out, and that's just the way baseball works. But that interaction, the battery, the interaction between catcher and pitcher, Uh, has always been, I think, an important part. And also, you know, for the team that's on offense, uh, the signals for if you're going to steal or not, that's that's also a very important part of the game. Is it going to be, you know, a, a... you know, are they going to slap at the ball and do kind of a hit and run kind of play, or or what what is it going to be? So I think those should, should stay, but adding in these outside elements is not cool for sure. Yeah, so I'm not, I, I'm for outside elements. I think that uh, as long as both teams have access to the same things, I uh, I guess I'm I'm thinking it could be okay to let teams go at it and see who can get the most clever with their signs and and, and stuff like that. And it's it's just like anything. Whoever can find the advantage. And use it before everyone else figures it out is gonna is gonna. In this well, case, it's bad because a team is rigging something specifically for them in their stadium. But I'm guessing in in a rule where, um, like let, just uh, as a as a starting point, let's just say, oh, you're allowed to use whatever technology you want. Like that's the rule. 
and then just let teams go at it and figure it out as long as you're not rigging something in your stadium specifically for yourself. Um, I, I don't know yeah. if that makes any sense. <laughs> that that would be a quite interesting race to, to what the best thing is. You end up with basically Google Glass like showing you what the signs are and then someone flashing something on the screen. Um, but or you just, or you wind up with Jose Altuve with a buzzer under his shirt. Like, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I mean, yeah, that image will never not be funny. Um, yeah. But I, I just I don't know, man. I, I think this is something where like these are elite athletes. They don't need this. They really don't need yeah. this. And also. You know, I mean, think about what the big concern, one of the big concerns is with, you know, the viability of baseball as an engaging sport going into the future. I mean, if you're potentially having to switch your signs up on an at-bat to at-bat basis, games are going to get longer. It's going to be worse. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, I don't don't want that. This This game is going to be worse. I don't... Someone, one of the, another one of those panelists that we we met last night is a guy from Sports Business Journal, and he made the astute point that you're not getting rid of the monitors that you know that players use in the dugout to like review their at bats. Just like you're not getting rid of the tablets, the uh, the prominently placed Microsoft Surface tablets on every NFL sideline, because those are sponsorship opportunities. And there's a great big shit pile of money involved in that. So, like, I, yeah. it's, it's going to be really hard to – it's going to be really difficult to scale back the amount of technology that's involved in these sporting events. But I don't – I mean, at least to me, the answer isn't to say, okay, well, that means we should just go hog wild. So I think that this is important – at this point because there have been other instances of performance enhancement with baseball that mm-hmm. were very helpful for the business of baseball namely they were. steroids steroids were very helpful the the home run race between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa is something that I remember I think I was 8 years old and it's one of the first times I remember watching baseball and going wow this is incredible um, that and baseball has had to wrestle with that because it helped them a lot going from these low-scoring games and everything else to something that was not necessarily outlawed. And this supports my own point, but a lot of people were doing it, if not a whole hell of a lot of people were doing it because it was available to all of them. It enhanced their training. And the way that it changed is baseball did a big, somber report and they imp- and they specifically said this is illegal and now there are suspensions if we catch you doing it there is a test for doing it is that maybe the only way that they can curtail this is not just a rule but like we're going to test you and we are going to suspend you if you do it thanks george mitchell well so so the tough thing there uh, is that you know part of the reason that players didn't get any punishment the only player involved in this that faced any consequences is carlos beltran who faced consequences as a manager not as a player um and and that's because you would have to collectively bargain new punishments of players for for things with the players union and so like i don't know that i see that 
happening necessarily. Uh, I'll, I'll also say that I, I feel very differently about, um, about your steroids or performance enhancing drugs than I do about this technological sign stealing. I would be way all in on everyone in major league baseball being Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and Barry Bonds. Like I'm super, as, as super I. <laughs> in favor of all the hitters being Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and all of the pitchers being Roger Clemens. I think and baseball would be the coolest. It would just baseball would reach a popularity that it hadn't had since like 1880. If that were the case, just like everyone was belting 75 home runs a year, it would be the it would be the best. So is what you, in terms of gray area rules or whether rules should or should not be um, in play, is does a lot have to do with um, how the result of the the product on the field? So, as in that you're saying you think steroids are okay because it makes the game more, it, it makes the the game better, and the science ceiling doesn't. I so I think sort of it n- no no actually it's not that what it is for me is that uh steroids what the purpose of those things is to make you a bigger faster stronger faster recovering from injuries version of yourself and the purpose of something like systematic technological sign stealing is it's more it's a mental crime it's not Mm -hmm. it's giving you an advantage that you couldn't get yourself otherwise like which uh, that that's actually that's hard wording because steroid like if you get super yoked when you're 36 like that that is giving you an advantage that you wouldn't have otherwise but like it's it's taking an advantage away from the other team almost like if you mm-hmm. do steroids yes. it's only helping that's you exactly but like what if you injected right. the opponent's team with like things that made them weaker <laughs> that's like that yes. that's kind of how i that's, see it that's, that's what, what i was doing. trying that, to get to which would it. be sick who <laughs> 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 can sneak into the dodgers hotel room and feed them laxatives well that's what we're doing with the coronavirus it's all about beating china in the 2020 summer olympics Jesus Christ. everybody knows that Oh, oh I hope that one God. gets around the internet. I hope that one gets around the internet. So, yeah, so that that that's a good way to put it. Um this sort of feeds into another uh kind of another big sports uh where do we draw the line uh story that's that's been popping up recently, which is a controversial set of shoes that Nike made for elite runners, people that are doing stuff like trying to run sub-two-hour marathons. Uh, And there's one model in particular called the Alpha Fly that's just been, like, approved for, I think, for the Olympics this summer. Uh, Correct. And uh, I sent around a picture uh, or a, a link to the story that had the picture of the shoe in it today. Uh, and they look completely insane. They look ridiculous. Uh, they look like those platform flip-flops that are sometimes popular at suburban country clubs. Um, but then they have a like carbon fiber plate in them that helps return your uh, 
your your foot or, or gives you a return and, and bounces you forward as you're running. Correct. And another part of that is that also the cushioned sole at your heel is 40 millimeters or just shy of 40 millimeters thick, which as I look at on my handy dandy ruler uh, is nearly an inch and a half. Um, yeah. Just extra padding at the heel and so the 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 regulation is that uh you can't have a shoe with multiple energy returning plates in it and or a sole uh or like a cushion 40 millimeters or thicker so they're like really kind of nosing up right to the line and and so like that that one Technically, if you wear those shoes, you're giving yourself an advantage as opposed to taking something away from everyone else. But somehow that feels similarly distasteful to me. And I'm not exactly sure why. I think, yeah, Max, I think to your point, I I really like the point you made, which is that with steroids, you are kind of empowering yourself. And it's not directly... Or really, I mean, maybe not even indirectly to the detriment of others, because I think that element is available to them, and you are not harming them in doing it. You're not a parasite. Um, this shoe thing, now I know sponsorships and everything else, but this is available to everyone, and it empowers you, and other companies could also develop this technology. So I think that, yeah, you have to consider that, which is, these people now have this shoe, you know, what would what would a runner from 30 years ago have done in these shoes? I don't know. But, uh, you know, that's understood just in the same way that, you know, players in all these sports now don't smoke cigarettes right after games and have nutritionists. Or at halftime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's really tough with equipment, to be honest. Because um, I think that's just like technology's gonna advance and we're right. gonna see records broken in every sport i don't know if running I, I don't mind the shoes but i think you really need to look at like equipment specific sports to really think about it like tennis and golf like th- think about those sports and like the clubs yeah. and balls and, and rackets that you use and and that and truthfully i actually think for me at least even something like golf is different as well because you could have a gigantic driver head that weighs you know three quarters of an ounce but if you don't swing right and hit it well, you're still not going to hit it 500 yards. But something like running, I mean, as far as, you know, I was talking earlier about, you know, shattered notions that, you know, sports are some sort of, you know, pure at heart athletic competition of who's the best. If anything is still close to that and kind of clinging to that, it's running being faster than the other people on the track or on the course or whatever it is it's the whole fucking game and so if your equipment gives you an advantage you're you're i mean you're essentially guaranteed to win and so that that combined with how sacred you know running records are there are these things that have stood forever, like, you know, I, I know the four-minute mile has been broken, but the four-minute mile was such an iconic sports barrier in the way, in a way that even like the even even a home run record isn't really. And when you run 
when you break the world record in the 100 meter dash like that is a thing that resonates around the world because what that says is at this pure athletic thing i am Mm -hmm. the best that there has ever been and there's a lot more that goes into like who was the best baseball player than who hit the most home runs but there's not a whole lot else that goes into who's the best marathon runner than who ran the fastest fucking marathon yeah it's it's almost interesting to think about running for me because it's like there almost is no competition that you can disadvantage it's just time i mean there there is in a race but like when you talk about setting records it's just making yourself better so because there's no way to disadvantage others anything that gives you an advantage kind of has that same feeling to it that you get when you disadvantage people in a direct like one-to-one competition almost not to mention that you're always you're always competing with history you're competing with the totality of history of running history that came before you and i don't know if you know this uh people like their histories they really really do I mean, I still think, like, it's interesting to think about golf, too, and, like, these, you could take a course that's existed for 100 years, and someone could do much better on it now than someone did 100 years ago, and you could chalk it up to, oh, they have better balls and and better clubs, like, you're not going to stop them from advancing the technology, it's, I don't know. Well, a lot of, a lot of uh, golf courses have, did in the early 2000s to mid-2000s, they did what's called tiger-proofing. Um, arguably the masters most notably because it's like here comes this person who's cared about their health who's cared about their fitness and is now hitting bombs of drives and is making this par five into like a mm, i'm gonna flirt with an eagle every time because i've got a nine iron in on my approach shot um yeah i mean part of it is i think sean to your point which is we should let these athletes be as exemplary as possible and you know at what point does eating kale kind of merge in with uh, taking some kind of supplement? When you look back and before people were going to to these these happy hours for lunch, having you know multiple martini lunches, and then smoking cigarettes basically during the games. I think that counts as the first Mad Men reference we've had on the podcast in at least six months. So, um, oh, I didn't even think of that. it that way. Uh, stoked for that. Uh, Sorry to the fans. <laughs> You know, I, yeah, like there there was a time when like Tommy Heinsohn was cracking a Budweiser in the locker room. Like, no one would do that now unless they had just won a championship. Perhaps or with the perhaps, yeah. perhaps perhaps yeah. with the aid of a center field camera. Or, yes, or yeah. if you're John Lackey and and Josh Beckett on the what like 2000, <laughs> so like 2013 Red Sox. Yeah. Um. No, it has to have been before that. That was a year yeah. they won the championship. Um, uh, I think it was actually after. I think it was, it was sandwiched. I mean, it was sandwiched between. Hmm. Yeah, you know, it's just like it's something that I don't think is hard and fast. You know, I don't think there's yeah, one rule they, for every sport. Yeah, I think that with the shoes for me, it's. Uh, I I think in the video that um that I watched, I said it it just the shoe by itself increases your speed by four percent four percent and i think that because of that it's it's not like that it's like i'm gonna be able to put those on and start winning races uh so it matters if you are someone who's trying to win races 
And if you're, and that's a that's a, a small enough group of people to where they can all just get the shoes and each get the four percent bump. And and to me that's okay because those are people who are actually trying to trying to win something. So I I I, I had that first. I had the same first gut instinct that you did, Sean. But then thinking about it more, I I mean I really think that it's if if you're serious about running, it's you know you'll have you might just have to get these shoes. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, guess maybe that's... maybe everyone becomes a Nike runner, but like, yeah. you know, I think I think marathon running. There's also still a particular preciousness about it because that's one of the that's one of the areas of sport where there's a a plane that has literally never been broken. No one has ever run an official sub two hour marathon before, and so there's a. I think I think that's where that sense of like cheating history in an untoward way that's not just human evolution comes in and so like i i understand i think i i think i'm sort of with you on the idea of like 2020 runners versus 2020 runners like yeah it it would be fine for everyone to just wear the superman shoes but then you're you're dealing with, you know, to a certain extent, you're running against the ghosts of 1978 and 1940, and you know, and all that stuff. So I, I, I think that, I think that that one there is a little, I think, I think all of these things have some level of gray area to them, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why I, I just can- watch football. There's no cheating there. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's nothing distasteful about the NFL. Yeah. Definitely. Well, that I think that I think so pure. Definitely yeah, not a that... whole raft of content out in the world in the last three months about uh, a player for a team that will go unnamed that uh, had a whole bunch of concussions and then killed a bunch of people. Uh, definitely well, nothing that... untoward or distasteful about football. Yeah, that takes the air out of the situation. Uh, we might want to move on. Yep, that's that's definitely where we're ending. You, the student, has become the transition master. I love it. Uh, and so, on that wonderful, wonderful note, Max is also looking a little, you know, he's looking a little <laughs> deflated. Uh, we will move on to Pierce Cesari, and I, I guess yeah. you're probably saving your apology to Max for that for next week's episode but what are you apologizing for today so i had i had something else uh in mind but then uh, i I was thinking about this and i was bothered by it and i talked to and this has to do with work um and i more or less apologized to a coworker earlier i came home early from work today because it's that time in February. So many people are sick, especially in my office. There is a heightened awareness of being sick and going home if you're sick. And it's important to, if you're sick, take care of yourself first off and also be thoughtful about others. Part of that also, and where I failed, is that at some point you have to be comfortable being the bad person, being the bad guy. So I left work early today, not because I was sick, but because someone sitting next to me was coughing up a storm and not covering up their mouth. And I thought about it a lot, 
and I talked about it to another coworker, and I more or less apologized to a different coworker because I went home instead of confronting this person and saying, what the hell is your problem? Take yourself home. Do something about this. But I paused and didn't do this because I had this thought in my mind. It's like, well, I don't know this person's situation. I don't know how they're going to deal with confrontation. And I weaseled out of it. And so instead of helping others, I did help myself. But clearly talked about my conflict and talked to others about how, oh, this is bad, this is wrong. But I didn't do jack shit about it. Um, Except put myself first, which you kind of should always do. But I don't know. I just... I'm sorry for not looking out for other people, but that confrontation is really hard, and and I struggled with that mightily. So to recap, you are apologizing to an <laughs> unknown coworker for not asking them, as you said, what the hell their problem was. I'm, I love it. <laughs> this is your I, I best mean- <laughs> apology yet. I think I said to the the other coworker who I did say I should have said something to this person, but I told them that I was so angry about the coughing, the the unabashed like you know unapologetic coughing that I was afraid that I would be too mean. Um, and I think that's coming out here. Tune in next week when we have our first edition of Kevin is Sorry, where Kevin will apologize for not telling a cat on the street to go fuck itself. <laughs> no, we save that language for Iowa and their caucusing. No, you you know what? You're cut off. You've done too many caucus references. Yeah. It's over. Yeah, Iowa, Iowa is the new Mad Men. What, you know what's not over, though? <laughs> Gathering the results of the Iowa caucuses. Uh, re-canvas, re-canvas. Oh, God. Uh, hopefully that's not true when this podcast comes yeah. out. Uh, but what what is true, uh, undoubtedly, is... Uh, this week's big idea from pop culture, which we will close the show with, uh, because we are recording this podcast today on Thursday, the day of the NBA trade deadline. Oh, yes. And there's a team that made some moves that open up the possibility that at one point during this NBA season, in the year of our Lord, 2020, they will be able to trot out a lineup of Goran Dragic, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Danilo Gallinari, and either Myers Leonard or Kelly Olynyk. Now, if you weren't playing along at home, in 2020, that is an all-white NBA lineup. And that is significant for two reasons one is that you don't see that a whole lot uh maybe ever anymore and two is the team that made those moves and assembled that roster the miami heat who are run by adolf rupp disciple and 1966 texas western opponent pat riley part of the all-white Kentucky team that lost the uh, first NCAA championship game won by a team with an all-black starting lineup. So, amazing. Riley's back! Amazing. Yeah. yeah. When are they going to hire noted uh, noted Huevos Rancheros as ketchup and french fries 
doer, uh, Brad Stevens, as their coach. What are the words <laughs> you just said? What? What? I thought Brad Stevens should coach that team because he has said that his favorite dish to make for his wife is huevos rancheros, but it includes ketchup instead of hot sauce or salsa and french fries. Yeah, that you had to use too many words to explain it. You should have maybe just asked when they were going to hire Brad Stevens. Um, I, you could have just said that he unlocks Kelly Olenek's potential to go off oh, in the playoffs. He, he does. <laughs> he does indeed. And rip people's shoulders out of their sockets. So, you know, just just a reminder that, uh, you know, thinking thinking through the optics of the thing, things that you do uh, may, may be important. Um, and I'm not certain Pat Riley thought through the optics of in 2020 uh, assembling the possibility to trot out an all-white NBA lineup. <laughs> so, I think he did think about it. <laughs> we'll we'll never know. Uh, yeah, so that's a thing that happened. Uh, and on that note, that is the end of the show. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter at PrettyOKPod or at our home on the web, www.prettyokpod.com. You can subscribe to the show on your podcast app and device of choice. If you do that, please leave a rating, uh, comment, that sort of thing. Or just tell a friend about the show. We'd love to share what we're doing with them as well. Uh, We will be back again next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening.